So we have a, a special guest uh, preacher today, and, and uh, so Mike Gilbert, so everyone say hi to Mike. And, uh, and Mike's going to be using all this space, so scoot that over for me. Do you need this? Yes. Okay. All right, but before Mike preaches, we're going to talk a little bit about Mike, because um, uh, we, we dug up some dirt on Mike, and we're going <laughs> to... Just kidding. We, we love Mike. Uh, Mike was a, a friend from when I worked at Calvary Aurora and uh, left. You, well, you're going to tell kind of your story, right? A bit. Yeah, but. Okay. So he left to go plant a church. But before Mike left, we sat down and had a meeting and talked about uh, what, what it's like to plant a church and stuff like that. And one of the big things that we talked about was grace. And that began a relationship with us where uh, I've been discipling Mike uh, on, on the new covenant of grace, which uh, if you come here, you understand that we talk about that every single week. And I'm, I'm excited about that. But uh, so we've been... Um, uh, kind of, I've been walking alongside of Mike as he's been planting his church, and uh, so we, um, uh, as a church, we've been praying for Mike and for that church, and and we just want everyone to know that we've officially adopted Mike's church. You're gonna put us on the, on the, uh, on the yeah, on the we're gonna wall. we're gonna put you on the mission wall. We absolutely are, and uh, and in this envelope is is some is a gift that we're giving your church, and it's um, it's we're excited about it, and. I know that we, you, you know, when you give a gift, you're not supposed to let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. But we wanted to do it publicly so that everybody knows that we stand behind Mike and his ministry. We believe in his like his vision and what God's given him. And uh, you guys are going to be really super blessed today as as Mike teaches. So, but but first, we're going to pray for his church. I'm actually flying there tomorrow. Well, me and Dana are going to fly out there tomorrow, and we're going to teach at his church next week. Um, so we'll have another guest next week, and uh, he'll be just as awesome. Um, but let's pray for Mike and for his church, and then you, Mike's in control after that. So, Father, we we lay hands on our brother Mike. Uh, we believe and know that he's been appointed and anointed as a pastor and a preacher of your gospel. And I pray that you would uh, keep him from ever worrying. I pray that he would never give in to that sin of, of pride and, and thinking that he can control tomorrow. But I pray that he would live every day pointing everyone to Christ and looking unto Christ himself uh, for all of his sufficiency. We pray, Jesus, that you would... Uh, keep the enemy's attacks away from him. And I pray for every person in here, Lord, that we would um, remember Mike and we would remember uh, and we would be inspired uh, to, to go and do what God has called us to do, uh, just as Mike has been obedient to God's call in his life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Here we go. Awesome. Good morning. I say that at our church, and it's uh, Saturday night, so um, I'm actually saying it in the morning, which is great. How are you guys? I am well. I am well. Um, It's such an answer to prayer to be here this morning. Such an answer to prayer. We love you guys so much. And your pastor has blessed us, our family, my walk with the Lord. And your ministry here has reached out to Northport, Florida. Believers are getting refreshed in the Lord. 
people that have been walking with the Lord for a decade or two decades are finally rested Jesus. And it was cool. Last night, uh, one of the guys that I've been discipling had been teaching, and Jesus was still ministering because it wasn't Mike that was teaching, it was Jesus. So, uh, as I teach, I also want to give you guys a little bit about my testimony. And Sean talked about it a little bit. September 16, 2012, I came to my insufficiency, and I had been convinced that Jesus loved me. So I gave my life to Jesus. Six days later, I met my wife and made this wonderful impression on her. We met at the dog park, and I said, we should hang out sometime. And, you know, she pulled out her phone, and she was ready to put my number in her phone. That is not what happened. Excuse me. She ran away. She literally ran away from me in flip-flops at the dog park. Thank you. So you know what I did? Chase her? No, no. So I decided to walk toward the entrance, the exit when I saw her walking towards the exit. Because she never really gave me an answer. So I wanted my answer. And then she invited me to, to church. And um, over the next couple years, I was very vigorous for serving the Lord. And somewhere along the line, I, I, I started seeing that I was sufficient for ministry. That deception, it, it, it's very easy for all of us as believers to start believing that we're sufficient for ministry. And I had someone discipling me and teaching me God's word, and it made a tremendous difference in my life. But there was still so much pride in me that God was still resisting this more grace, this much more grace of who he is. So after I was vigorously serving the Lord and vigorously serving the Lord, I became exhausted. Why why am I not seeing people's lives changed? I mean, I'm, I'm taking people through the word and, and I, I, I'm talking about Jesus all the time. Why is there not lives being changed? And so when God called me to pastor a church, to plant a church, it wasn't, I was at a point where I wasn't as much convinced that God could do it, but I was totally convinced that I couldn't. That's where I was at. Um, and maybe, maybe somebody here is like that, where you're, you're not sure if God could do it, but you know you can't. And I praise the Lord that you're here this morning, because that's where I was at. And I called a bunch of pastors and said, hey, what do you know about church planting? And when Sean took me through 2 Corinthians 3, it was incredible. We spent about an hour and a half together just talking about God's grace and how I was insufficient for ministry, which I already was convinced of. And so I said, okay, I've only got a certain amount of time. I'm going to meet with them again. So we met again, and, um, it's, and then pe- people started asking questions about this grace. And I even changed up a little bit of how I was teaching and evangelism. And then I had to go to Northport with only two conversations with Sean. And I was so grieved that I didn't understand God's grace. 
because I knew I wasn't sufficient for the ministry. So one day I called him and said, please, please, I can't, I don't have anyone else that will take me through this, that understands it, that I trust, I need you to help me. I need to be able to reach these people. This is the only thing that I know that will help them. And he said, yes, absolutely. So tonight I want to talk about making a graceful tonight. See? (laughs) This morning in Denver, Colorado, where the Lord has brought his testimony of, of who he is in my life to you. We're going to talk about Acts chapter 6. And the title of this teaching is Making a Graceful Impression. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6 is where we'll start. It's funny, uh, you know, living here for 10 years and then, then leaving for a year and a half, almost a year and a half, and uh, you joke about altitude sickness, and then I'm here and I'm drinking water just to avoid that. So, all right, Acts chapter 6, let's pray and ask the Lord to uh, move. God, thank you so much that family in Christ, brothers and sisters in Jesus, looks different than the world. We know that marriages fail on a consistent basis in our country. We know that there's diversities and dissensions all throughout our workplaces and our families. We are totally insufficient to bring our, your love to anyone. And I ask God that you live through us, that you fill us up with who you are this morning. And as I teach, Lord, it's you, Jesus, who's ministering, your living water to flow through each heart. And I pray that we would all humble ourselves before you in our insufficiency because you give grace to the humble. You're much more grace you give to the humble. But Lord, you resist the proud and we recognize that God. So show us the areas of our pride as we call out to you. Fill us with who you are and let your life burst from our hearts. Erupt from our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. Now in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplying, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, because their widows were neglected in the daily distribution. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples, and said, It is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you seven men of good reputation. Good reputation. Full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. Whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude. And they chose Stephen, 
a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. And Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon, but not Pumbaa. Uh, <laughs> Parmenas and Nicholas and a, pro- a proselyte from Antioch whom they set before the apostles and when they had prayed, they laid hands on them. So there was a complaint and the apostles were, pr- were giving this instruction that God would use other people to minister through this complaint. When I read this and I read about Stephen, I think as a believer, I want that. I want to be described as having a good reputation. Do you guys agree? Do you want to be described as having a good reputation? Full of the Holy Spirit? Wisdom? Full of faith. Just, wow, faith. Confidence towards God. Full of grace? Full of the power of God. You guys want that too? Really? All right, let's walk through this together. We're going to identify what he was full of. Or more accurately, who he was full of. And then we're going to discuss how. How do we get full? So if you're taking notes, and whenever you're listening to a pastor or anyone teach, be sure to ask these questions. And write them down as you t- before you take notes. Questions like, what is holiness? What does it look like? How does the Bible describe goodness? But don't stop there. Ask the question, how? How do I attain this holiness that's demanded of me by the law? How do I get the resource to be holy or full of faith full of the Holy Spirit, full of grace. How will I be changed so that one day I will hear, well done, my good and faithful servant? Because I look at my life and I go, I'm not a good and faithful servant. I'm full of me. Let's be clear, your efforts will never cause you to hear those words. Ever. Your efforts, your performance just doesn't measure up. Just doesn't measure up. We hear it so often, I'm faithfully serving. <laughs> I'm faithfully serving. No, you're not. No, you're not. You are not a faithful saint. We so easily want to proclaim our own goodness so easily want to defend ourselves. And serving as a believer, it's not an action to be fulfilled. Serving as a believer is not an action to be fulfilled. It's a faith believing who's fulfilling it. Serving as a believer is not an action to be fulfilled. It's a faith believing who's fulfilling it. That's why we need to be filled We need to be filled with the person of Jesus so that our Father sees Jesus in us. That's how we worship God. So that Jesus is revealed as we relate to our brothers and sisters in Christ. So that unbelievers see the person of Christ 
who is God. Jesus, who is actually a faithful servant. So let's look at Stephen. He's got Jesus inside of him. Let's look at how the scripture describes him. In verse 5, you'll see it says he's a man full of faith. I looked at that, and you could also describe it as being a hollow vessel that was filled. Or a surface that's covered by, on every side or every part of what it is. Or specifically of the soul that it's thoroughly permeated with. Being full of Jesus is being thoroughly permeated with the person of who he is in your life. I heard Bob Hoekstra talk about a sponge to describe this. And I thought that was very accurate. If you haven't gone through the Growing Grace series, if you haven't gone through the Growing Grace series by Bob Hoekstra, I highly recommend it. I'll take you through it from Northport, Florida. You can talk to Sean. You can talk to other believers here. I highly, highly encourage you and even exhort you to go through it. Bob describe, Pastor Bob describes us in Christ and Christ in us. Those are two terms we hear a lot, but we don't necessarily think what that phrase really means. Us in Christ, like being in this room. We're drawing from the resources of this room. So you've got a little bit of light coming through. You've got lights coming down, air conditioning. You know, you're not feeling the wind blow through. You're drawing from the resources in this room. That's us being in Christ. But Christ in us is a little different. It's related. It's more like a sponge that is thrown into the ocean of grace. Thrown into this huge ocean. And the sponge is soaking up the ocean inside of it. So that when you touch the sponge, you're also touching the ocean. And in the believer's life, We're so filled with Jesus that when somebody even hugs you or you talk to someone, it's Jesus that they're interacting with as well. That's what's going on in Stephen's life. And so let's talk about being full of Jesus. You know, September 16th, 2012, when I gave my life to the Lord, I had a heart of stone. Anybody agree with that? They had a heart of stone before they came to Jesus, right? Well, the Bible describes God taking this heart of stone and us putting it away as the old man. And the new man that's given this new identity is also giving a new heart, a heart of flesh that can now hold the person of Jesus in their life. And that's what happened. I gave my life to Jesus. And now, when I met Wherever Liza went. There she is. When I, met, <laughs> when I met Liza, even though I was just six days as a believer, Jesus was just pouring through my life. And even though she didn't believe me, Jesus kept pouring through my life. But over time, as a believer, because we're a hollow vessel, Right? We're just letting Jesus permeate himself through us. We're empty of our own goodness. We're empty of our own faithfulness. 
And so, yes, I was, I was full of Jesus. But over time, as Jesus was pouring out of me, I started thinking I had the ability, the sufficiency, the resources on my own. So I'm serving, and I'm serving, and I'm serving. And eventually, I got dry. After a few months, a few seasons, a few years of my life happening, I was trying, I was trying to impress Jesus. I'm hoping that other believers will value me based on my performance. That's not what we have in Christ as believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't value each other based on performance. But here I was. I became this dry sponge that was totally capable of being filled with Jesus. But then when I'm serving somebody, I'm cleaning. Jesus wasn't coming out anymore. It was Mike. And I'm helping somebody. I'm serving in ministry, walking somebody through a Bible study. And it was Mike that was being impressed on people. Not Jesus. Even though I was teaching them verse by verse, I was going through hermeneutics, and I was going through inductive Bible study. And I was so much pride that God was resisting me. He was drawing me to himself. And over time, I mean, has anybody been there, had a dry time in their life? Yeah? Yeah? Well, over time, you're in ministry and you're serving people and the gunk that's in their life gets on you. Or the gunk in your own life gets on you. And Jesus isn't washing you because you're, you're drawing on your own sufficiencies. And you just become more compressed and tighter and frustrated. Why am I not... I, I know my nature is to hold Jesus, but why am I not holding Jesus? And... Eventually, with all that gunk getting into your heart, all the junk encompasses your nature. And when Jesus is trying to wash you, yeah, you look kind of like a sponge, but you're not able to hold Jesus. You're holding your own resources, your own sufficiency in ministry, your own sufficiency to love each other, to relate to God. So that's where I found myself when, when I started talking to Sean. I knew this guy here was not this guy. And he answered me. And he said, Hey, do you want to be this guy? Full of Jesus. Full of grace like this guy, Stephen. And I said, Yes, I do. And he left an impression on my heart. He started washing me with Jesus. And the clay started washing off. And I started soaking up Jesus in my life. And the impression he made on my heart is so incredible. And I'm so thankful. And so I love you guys. And whether you realize it or not, as you guys are faithful in ministry here, and when I say faithful in ministry, you're trusting Jesus to give you what you need in ministry. That's what I mean by that. And as you're doing that,
and you're allowing him to be full-time by God's grace, as you're stewards of his grace. He's able to disciple me and other pastors and other believers. And it's incredible. By your faith in Jesus, ministry has now spread to Florida and into other parts of our nation. It's incredible. As people watch online, people are watching online for our services, families are getting healed because you're full of who Jesus is. Remember where we were at in our insufficiencies because it's so easy to transition just like I was. So I know I want more of Jesus and less of me. And I remember where I want to be. Why isn't Jesus working in me? I want to be this guy. And then if we were to read, let's go to John uh, chapter 1 for a moment. John chapter 1, verse 14. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it's the fourth chapter in the Gospels. Fourth chapter, fourth book in the Gospels. And at the end of verse 14, you'll see this phrase, full of grace and truth. So verse 14 And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Who dwelt among them? Jesus, absolutely. And we beheld the glory of Jesus. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And then in verse 16, we see this incredible fulfillment of the holiness that we know what it looks like It says in verse 16, and of his fullness we have all rejected. That's not the the testimony we have as believers, is it? Our testimony as believers is receiving his grace and grace for grace. And so I was learning that, yeah, I had gotten saved and this old man was put away with. But now... I can continue getting more grace from Jesus. I can continue. Jesus, I'm coming to you. Jesus, I'm coming to you. In a sponge, I I saw this in an article, a good absorbing sponge can hold an amount of water seven times its own weight. There you go. Okay, that's a great fact. It's a great fact. Got that from sciencesuperschool.com in case anybody wants to check it out. But as believers, shouldn't we be holding, I mean, this is holiness, right? This is what it should look like as believers. We should be holding so much more of Jesus in our heart than ourselves. A sponge is a really good illustration of being full of Jesus. And that's where Stephen is. Full of Jesus. The sponge, which represents our hearts and our lives, we've already agreed we need to be filled, and we know that believers can receive the fullness of Christ. It's another way of saying Christ in us, full of the Spirit, full of faith, full of grace. It's like a sponge that's not just 
dipped in water, but fully submerged, fully being permeated thoroughly. The water permeates every part of the sponge. This is us abiding in Christ. We humble ourselves to get more of Jesus. Not the concept of grace, the person of grace. The person of grace. Anybody else want more of Jesus? Yeah. So in our life, we're promised that we can have more of him and less of us. Until one day, we're fully united with him. Right? One day, we're all waiting for that day. But until then, there's this ocean of grace. And our hearts as new believers are designed to be filled with the grace of God. And there's more grace than you and I could ever hold in our hearts. And because we're constantly pouring out who he is, we need to constantly be coming to him. And we'll get to that in a moment. It's a cliffhanger. Okay. So that's what's happening. That was happening to me. Sean was teaching me to continue to let Jesus pour himself, pour out his life into the lifelessness of who I was. And it's interesting that, that Peter would say, Jesus, don't wash my feet. And Jesus said, if you don't let me wash you in your walk, you have no part with me. If you don't let me wash you in your walk, you have no part with me. And I love Peter's response. Jesus, don't wash all of me. <laughs> I want all of you, Jesus. And, and Jesus said, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but later on you will. And di- don't we know that Peter needed it? Yeah? I love how your pastor believes Jesus so much. And I love how you guys believe Jesus so much. And I'm watching as Jesus is taking our congregation from faith to faith. And believers are growing in Christ. And Christ is pouring out his life because that's who Jesus is. And we are constantly receiving grace upon grace. We read something similar as we go back to Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, verse 8. And Stephen, full of faith. And you might have a little mark in your Bible next to that word faith. It's actually charis or charis. Anybody know what that word is? Grace. Yes. So, it's much better to receive this understanding that this full of faith is actually better translated full of grace. Or full of the faith. The faith in Christ, being full of Christ. He's filled with Christ and his power. It's incredible. That's what we have as believers. And so as Sean is taking me through this, and he took me through 2 Corinthians, at the end of of that chapter, it talks about you're watching as in a mirror, that you're being transformed from glory to glory. You can actually watch your life as believers as God progresses your relationship with him. Everybody's relationship with the Lord looks a little bit different? Anybody, everybody look the same? Every, all of your progressions look a little bit different. And you can watch as Jesus is transforming your life.
So the early church is looking at Stephen, not at his qualifications, but of the fruit that's happening in his life. And I make a distinction there because it's so easy to look and go, I've got these qualifications. I can do that ministry. And you've missed it. You've missed it. We are not qualified for ministry. But the person who lives in us, through us, he's qualified for ministry. And he is wanting to burst forth from your life, pour forth who he is. So you make a graceful impression on the hearer. Believer or unbeliever, it doesn't matter. His grace is more than sufficient for the ministry as it pours out from our life. So as we're reading Stephen, and he's in verse 8, Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. It wasn't Stephen. It was Jesus in Stephen. And I would encourage you, as God's developing you, developing your congregation here. Have great confidence in the Lord to do these things in your community here. If you haven't listened to Sean's teaching on Elijah and Elijah, I would encourage you to go through it and listen about how God desires to move now in the church as we trust him to be full of who he is. Have you ever, remember when you were serving and you were empty? Remember that time, maybe in your marriage, where you didn't want to wash the dishes? You just sat down and then somebody said, hey, can you do this for me? And you went, oh. Who's that coming out? Is that Jesus coming out or is that you? Never happens, right? We're always, I'm Johnny on the spot, ready to do it. Wears off. When we get to a point where we're so full of ourselves or full of what's going on in the world, what impression do we leave on people? Actually, the world is making an impression on us. Because we're totally incapable of doing it if we're full of ourselves or full of our selfishness or whatever that pride might be in our life. So try washing off this mess of your heart as you're trying to serve somebody else on your own. It's impossible. As Stephen was serving those widows, Jesus was coming through ministering to them. We want to become a church that's making a graceful impression as we make disciples. We go back to the same person we came to when we first believed. And we believe again. And we believe again. We, we somehow get this idea that he was great for being the author of my faith, but not the perfecter. And he's still wanting to perfect your faith. Even when you don't want to, he's still wanting to perfect your faith. And if we're perfecting ourselves, won't we end up making disciples in our own image? It's a warning. It's a big warning. And I'm so thankful that what's happening out in Northport is God's making disciples after Jesus. And what's happening here is God's making disciples after Jesus. But in our homes, we want that to permeate through. 
You notice in verse 7 that they had a great many priests who were obedient to the faith. These priests were already serving. They were already serving God. But they didn't yet trust in God. And becoming obedient to the faith, just that simple, believing Jesus that the work has been done. Jesus said he will make you fishers of men. You want to reach the lost? Who's going to make you fishers of men? Who? Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, we want to make a graceful impression on both unbelievers and believers. And who does God have in front of you? And, who are you full of? Who will come out when there is a complaint? When somebody complains about you, who comes out? We as believers constantly come to the cross with our resources, letting them die so that we are united in death, in the death of Christ, because we know that he will raise us up to become what we are not, and more accurately, give us who we are not. He will raise up the husband who humbles himself because he doesn't want to serve his wife and gives him a new heart to wash the dishes. He will bring about a new heart for the wife to trust her husband as she confesses her sin and her need for the Lord. And Jesus, who is obedient to death, is revealed. And the old rebellious nature is washed out as the husband, by faith, leads his family. What about those who are harder to serve? Ever tried to serve somebody who doesn't want to be served? Or maybe, again, is complaining about you? If we were to read later on through Acts 6 through 8, all the way to chapter 7, verse 57, you'll see Stephen, Stephen serving those that were hard to serve. And they were so hard to serve that they wanted to kill him. Anybody wanted to kill you guys recently for trusting Jesus? Do you think that if somebody did want to kill you for trusting in Jesus, who would come out? Right now, who would come out if somebody wanted to kill you for trusting Jesus? You feel, I don't know. <laughs> Stephen was so full of Jesus that in that moment, he was ready to believe Jesus. Even when they were throwing the rocks at him, stoning him. Do you guys remember what he said? Okay, let's go there then. Acts 7, let's see, 7... Verse 60. Let's see what's happening when somebody's squeezing the life out of Stephen. What's happening in Stephen's life if somebody's squeezing out who he is? What does he say? Verse 60. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. So I should read this with a whisper? Cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep or in this case, died. Who does that sound like? Wow, look at that! Jesus is coming out of him, and he's just believing him unto death. Even when he's serving somebody who doesn't want to be served. The sponge was completely squeezed, like our heart, completely squeezed and constricted, the life being choked out of it. But really, the person who is life is one with us. And so even if life gets totally choked out, boom, we're with him. We're always with him. 
He's always in us, through us. It's by him. So let so verse the next verse. Now Saul was consenting to his death. Saul was consenting to his death. You guys know who Saul was? The Apostle Paul, right? Why is this here? I believe that is. I don't have enough space here. Let's see. Boom. There we go. So this is Paul's heart. Stone hard. I'm going to consent to your death. Agreed? Stephen's heart, his life being choked out of him. Jesus comes. And even though he didn't immediately come to faith in Christ, it still made an impression, a grace-filled, graceful impression of who Jesus was. And let's go to Acts chapter 22, and that's the last uh, verses we'll be checking out here. I'm, I'm out, up here, you know. Okay, Acts chapter 22, verse 18, or let's do 17, just to get a little context. Acts chapter 22, verses 17. Now it happened, when I returned to Jerusalem, this is Paul speaking, or Paul uh, talking about himself, I was praying in the temple that I, that I was in a trance and saw him, Jesus, saying to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. They wouldn't receive Jesus in Paul. So Paul responds, verse 19, and says, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned you and beat those who believed on, believe on you. And when the blood of your martyr, Stephen, was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then Jesus said to Paul, Depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. Do you guys realize Stephen's life being squeezed out of him had such an effect on the entire world that now people were rejecting Jesus in Jerusalem and Jesus is now sending Paul out to the Gentiles, to the other nations. His martyrdom literally had an effect on the gospel being spread out through the whole world. Incredible. When you go to Philippians and Galatians and Ephesians and Corinthians, all over the whole world, Stephen's testimony of who Jesus was being squeezed out had a part in that. And so, in our life, how do we get Jesus? How do we get this testimony? The same thing we did when we first believed is what we continue to do. Jesus, you're enough for what I'm not and who I'm not. Fill me with who you are. So, so much here. There's so much of God's grace. So whether we clean toilets or whether we pray for our marriages, let it be Jesus who's washing them. Whether it's toilets or your marriages, let Jesus be the one washing them. For the unbeliever, they will either continue to harden themselves against the gospel or get out of the way, out of the water. Or they will soften and be changed. Either way, it's a graceful impression 
Either way, it's Jesus, not us, who comes out. Either way, Jesus is their best hope, not you, not me. And our best hope, our best help, is Jesus. So Jesus, fill us up with who you are. You give grace to the humble, and you resist the proud. It's by your blood that we draw near to the throne. So Jesus, fill us with who you are, your boldness and your love, and let your risen life rain through these hollow vessels. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for filling us up with who you are. We can all remember the day that we came to you and we were so empty and we needed you. And Lord, thank you for continuing to give us more and more of who you are. I pray, Lord, if there's an unbeliever here and they can see the insufficiency in their life, they would receive your sacrifice on the cross, your blood being spilt, that that was enough. And Jesus said, it is finished. And they don't stay there in death. You don't stay there in condemnation. You move on and let the old man pass away and trust Jesus to bring the new life, the new heart that's capable of holding him, being filled with him even in the serving. And I pray as the believers are here that they would humble themselves letting Jesus come out, being filled with him because he is good and he loves you so passionately. Let your love flow into our hearts and from us. Jesus, we praise you. Change our families, our lives, our communities, our nation. We pray for our president. I pray for Congress and the judges as they make these incredible decisions. Move their hearts, God according to your will. Move this community according to your will. Move our lives according to your will. In Jesus' name, amen.